0: All right, little man's going to pray. Let's bow our heads I'm anyway. five years old. Do y'all think it's better to pray or not to pray? I think I it's better think to pray. pray. I to pray. think it's better to eat and not pray. Just eat only, right? Are y'all afraid of monsters in your closet? I do not have monsters in my closet. My monsters are under the bed. Yeah. Are they real? Yeah. No, they're not. Nolan always hit me. Oh no. Do you need do we need to pray for Nolan? Nope. Show me guys, show me how you guys how do you hold your hands when you pray? Show me that. God God is listening. God is listening. I'll do it first. Okay, let's let Charlie do it. God is listening. God is listening. (laughs) Did you drop the lyrics real quick? God is listening, God is listening, when we pray, when, when we pray. We fold our hands so quietly, we shut our eyes so tightly, now let's pray. Yeah. Thank you for everybody and for the world and the trees and the plants. Amen. What's the best prayer you've ever prayed? Uh, the third time that I was born. I the third time you were born is the best prayer ever. You've been born three times. You could ask God for one thing. I could ask God for Spider Man Legos. A Wolverine Lego thing. I wish God that He gave me a a Barbie Uh, Some flip flops might like my old ones. You want your old flip flops back? No. Can we leave now?
1: so it's great focus. And so I ask you, uh, how's your prayer life? I say, even our, even our children on the video answer the question wisely. They know that it's better to pray than not to pray, right? Even though the one young guy I think said, what, he'd rather eat? You know what he said? He would rather eat? I think there are a lot of us maybe who would rather eat than pray. But prayer is what we're called to do. Part, is, is a part of our life, or it should be. And so today we're going to start just a, a three-week series of looking at the priority of prayer in our life. And uh, we batted around in staff uh, this week about, well, what are we going to call this? And I came up with Prayer Matters and uh, said, oh, you, that was the theme of a series on prayer you did two years ago. And I said, well, I thought it sounded good. But uh, somebody came up with a list of them and came up with the theme that you'll find on the front of the bulletin, you are what you pray. And so how is your prayer life? What's going on in you in your prayer life? How important is it for you to pray? Prayer is one of the most common phenomena that we can find in human life anywhere around the world. Even some deliberately non religious people pray. In a study done not too long ago, it was discovered that even 30% of atheists admitted that they prayed. Now, does that mean that everybody prays? Absolutely not. But prayer is still a global reality. It really inhabits all cultures, and it involves an overwhelming majority of people at some point in their lives. In every culture, no matter how remote or how isolated it might be, every culture that has been discovered has some form of religion and prayer. And I think it's because there's always that, that feeling of, of a vacuum in our life that there needs to be a connection between the human and the divine. And that depends upon what culture you're in as to what you might describe as the divine. It was the Swiss theologian Karl Barth that calls prayer life our, our incurable God sickness. So with that quick observation then, why do we seem... To be so prayerless and powerless as a result of a lack of prayer in our life. You know, why isn't prayer really a top-tier priority in our life? You remember that Jesus said to his disciples in John fifteen, verses five and seven, He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. You see, that encouragement to pray ought to inspire us and encourage us to have a dynamic, tremendous prayer life. When he says, ask whatever you wish and it shall be given unto you. Of course, we know that there are some some qualifiers on that about asking uh, whatever we wish. You know, it has to be in accordance with God's will, praying in God's name, and believing without doubting. And all of those things are part of our prayer life. I want us to look today at Luke 18, 1 through 8, and the parable of the persistent widow. And find some encouragement there uh, that Jesus talks to us about in this parable about praying without ceasing praying and and making this a priority in our life, praying without giving up. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, uh, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary.'" For some time he refused but finally he said to himself even though I don't fear God or care about men yet because this widow keeps bothering me I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said listen to what the unjust judge says and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night will he keep putting them off. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, understand one thing about this parable. Jesus is not telling us or teaching us in this parable that if you just continue to persist and nag God, that eventually he's going to throw up his hands like the judge did and say, Okay, I'm going to give him what he wants. I'll give her what she wants, so she's going to drive me crazy if not. Sometimes parents and grandparents were guilty of doing that when we have children and grandchildren who continue to persist in asking us things. But what Jesus is simply teaching us here is that we are called to prayer, and that our prayer life should be one of constantly praying, that we should continue to pray and not give up. That's what Jesus is teaching us. And it's interesting that he closes this teaching by saying, or asking, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I think that's the faith that would recall us to continue to stand firm in prayer in our life. Now, why don't we have that as a prayer, as a priority in our life than this prayer? Why don't we have that when we're talking today about the priority of prayer? I want us to look at five things, five reasons that I think that could be a reason why we don't pray the way that we should. Number one is because we fail to understand the relational aspect of prayer. By that I simply mean we fail to take into consideration the God to whom we are praying. Lily's song today was a great one, the king, king of the world. That, that's who we are talking to when we pray. See, when, when, when the disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray... He said, this is how you start, by saying, Father, hallowed be your name. So we need to understand the relational aspect of prayer that we are using, taking advantage of, exercising faith in the great principle of prayer, talking to God. And who is this God? He is our creator. He is the source of all love. He is the source of all wisdom and grace and righteousness. He's our loving heavenly Father. He is our forgiving Father. He is also our jealous God who will not share His glory with another. Look at this passage of Scripture we've got on the screen out of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 33, verses 2 through 3. This is what the Lord says. What Lord? He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Now listen to what he says then to us. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Now there is an affirmation there about the fact That this wonderful, awesome God who created everything, controls everything, is the God who invites us to dialogue with him in prayer. Now how in the world can we ignore that or reject that wonderful opportunity and that wonderful privilege? Call on me and I'll tell you great and mighty things you do not know. Think about this, those of you who are married. and For our younger generation, it's something to think about. As you grow and mature, and eventually one day, perhaps God leads you into a marriage relationship. But think about this if you're married, how you talk with your spouse and the way you talk with God. So you might be in the same room with your spouse, but usually the conversation is void of any real feeling, and perhaps it becomes repetitious. Hmm? No heart in it, no connection, no empathy for the concerns of your spouse. You know, that's not a real relationship. It's just two people occupying the same space. And my hunch is, and a lot of it based on my own prayer life, is that that's basically what describes the prayer life of the vast majority of us. We just kind of live our life on the surface in relationship with God. And God wants so much more out of our relationship. He wants our prayer conversations to be deep and spiritual and profoundly passionate, especially about his love for us and our love for him. He really wants us to know him or to get him, as a younger generation might say today. In Jeremiah 29, he says, Then you will call upon me. And pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. The best way to know God is through prayer. The best way to know his power. The best way to know his nature and his character and his love is through prayer. And so prayer should be a priority. A top tier priority in our Christian life. And it calls for on our part time. Stillness quietness, energy, and focus. See, prayer grants us that wonderful relationship with God. Here's the second reason I think we do not pray. And it's all about sin in our life. Sometimes uh, we we harbor that sin in our life and we feel like, I don't want to go to God with this, okay? So the second reason we don't pray is we do not perceive the seriousness of the separating power of, of tolerated sin. And that's kind of a mouthful, isn't it? It all bottoms down to this line. And that is that we don't pray because we harbor sin in our life and we're either afraid or hesitant or we really don't want to go to God and come clean with that prayer and with that sin in our life. And what that does is it affects our prayer life to the extent that God does not hear our prayer. And that sin separates us from God, therefore God cannot hear and understand, or will not respond to our prayer. You see, while our our culture today might not recognize sin as sin, sin is still serious business with God. And we got to understand that and the consequences of unconfessed, tolerated sin in our life. Isaiah fifty nine. God says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities, that's another word for sin, have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. You hear what God is saying, what Isaiah says about that sin in our life? That we tolerate sin in our life, it separates us from God, and God will not hear our prayers. See, as much as God wants that relationship with us and He wants it to be deep and meaningful and real and purposeful, He cannot tolerate sin in our life, and He will not have that relationship with us nor answer our prayers if we hold that sin in our life. We got another passage of Scripture I want you to look at Psalm 66. The psalmist says, "Come and listen, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what He has done for me." Let's go. Where's the testimony? I cried out to Him with my mouth; His praise was on my tongue. Now, now, catch this phrase. This is very significant. If I had cherished that is hell sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. I praise be to God who has not rejected not my prayer nor withheld his love from me. We need to understand what the psalmist is saying. When we come clean before God, the blessings are these. That our prayers are heard and God does not withhold his love nor all of his blessings from us. We cannot camouflage our sins. The God to whom we pray knows everything. He knows our sins. We can't fool Him. And so we cannot justify our sins because they corrupt our lives. And they leave us powerless, ineffective, and void of God's power and presence. So if you're going to have a a powerful prayer life that's meaningful, purposeful, and top tier. In priority you got to deal with sin in your life it's got to be confessed and it's got to be gotten rid of you can't tolerate it because God doesn't tolerate it there's a third reason I think we don't pray as we should and that is we do not understand that prayer prepares us for spiritual warfare I think I think we get so focused sometimes on this wonderful aspect of living the Christian life, that our sins have been forgiven, the guilt and shame has been removed, and we have promised the glories of eternal life in heaven spent in the presence of God for all eternity. And in the process of looking forward to all of those wonderful things, and they're there, and we should anticipate them, I think, though, that our problem is that along the way we forget about the fact that this Christian life that we live is really, it's like a test. It's a conquest. It's a constant battle. I'm almost through reading through the book of, of Joshua and reading through the Bible this year. If you're on schedule doing the same thing I am, you might be at the same place. And you know that they they God promised the children of Israel the promised land. And he said all you got to do is go out there and conquer it. And what did that mean for them? When they, they crossed over the Jordan River and they headed into the promised land, there were all kinds of enemies. And they had to do battle with them. And they had to defeat them. And in some cases, God was pretty, pretty tough on what he had to say to them. You got to destroy everybody. Because if you don't, you leave that one little person, that one little part of that religion. It, it's going to permeate your religion. And it's going to affect you adversely. So they were promised the promised land, but they had to go out and claim it. We'll promise the promised land, but we have to go out and claim it. We have an enemy who does not want us to claim that promised land. We have an enemy, a spiritual enemy, who wants to do everything under his power and does do everything under his power to deceive us and to destroy us. And we're engaged in warfare. If you aren't aware of that, you probably are close to losing the battle right now. But prayer is one of the powerful weapons in our spiritual warfare. In Ephesians six ten through 17, the Apostle Paul describes our spiritual armor. And then he tells us in verse 18, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Is it going into everyday life without being prayed up is like a soldier going into battle without all of his or her armor and weapons at their disposal. But when we're prayed up, Paul says we are alert. And that simply means that we are awake and we are aware of the attempts of our enemy, the devil, to destroy us. When you realize the reality of spiritual warfare, then I think you realize the importance of prayer, because that's your chief weapon in this battle against Satan. Then I think here's the fourth reason we don't pray as we should, and it's simply that we don't allow prayer its primary place of priority. We just don't allow prayer to have its primary place place of priority. The teaching in our scripture today that Jesus gives us a challenge to pray and to make prayer an ongoing part of our life to where it's the priority of our life. And we know the reality, though. Even if we do pray, it's kind of a surface-level prayer, and it's kind of squeezed into everything else that we have going on. Even if we pray at the first thing in the morning, we, we've kind of got up, portion of our mind focused on God and the other portion of our mind is focused on that calendar that drives us and thinking about everything that we have to do and there's that battle that rages in your mind that says do I really have time for this prayer thing today oh yes you do that's the most important thing your calendar is not the most important thing it's your time with God See, the reality is we make other things our priority and not our time with God. A great example of that is found in the Gospel of Luke, the 10th chapter. And we can call it the Martha Syndrome. You remember the setting? Jesus goes to Bethany to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And they're they're there just to visit. And Mary does what? She chooses that time to spend at the feet of Jesus. Jesus. And to live in his relationship and just to to look up at his face and to hear his teaching, what does Martha do? Martha decides, she's the busy homemaker, we need to have a meal. And then there's something that's got to be done after the meal and that's cleaning it up. And she gets steamed at Mary because Mary didn't help her with the meal and she's not helping clean up. And so she thought, "Okay, I got Jesus here. I will appeal to a higher authority." And she says, "Jesus, how about make Mary get up and help me with this?" And what does Jesus say? He says, "Martha, Martha." I always like to think that maybe, maybe he kind of motioned to a seat beside him and said, "Martha." Martha. ill was worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. What is that right choice? She wanted to spend all her time in the presence of Jesus. When she had the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and communicate with him and dialogue with him and listen to him teach, that's what she chose. I don't know if Martha ever learned that lesson. I think we got a lot of Marthas. We need to learn to prioritize prayer. And why don't we do that? Well, it's because I think of that pressure of perceived expectations or that busy-to-be-productive syndrome and the pressure, of course, of the hurried lifestyle. And God simply says to us in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. And then here's the fifth reason that I think we fail to pray. We fail to pray because we think we can handle things ourselves. We've learned very well from the culture that teaches us, go ahead, you can do it. You can do that on your own. You've got that ability within yourself. Believe in yourself, and you can do it. And that's far from being true, isn't it? In James chapter 4, verse 2, James points out to us something very, very, very clearly. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. See, sometimes we miss the plain and powerful truth of that statement. And that is, we do not have because we do not ask. Now, think about that statement. And let that sentence run through your life. It might hit on some of these things. You see, you don't have a failure in your life. That's not a prayer failure. You don't have a sin in your life that couldn't be defeated through prayer. And you don't have a genuine need in your life that can't be met through our gracious God to whom you go in prayer. Do you have not? Because you ask not. And the picture we have of God in the Bible is our God who is always eager, ready, and willing to bless us. But we are presumptuous, self prayer, self-oriented to where we really believe we can make it in life on our own strength, our own imagination, our own education, and our own personality. And the result is disaster. We're void of any real deep, spiritual connection with God. And meanwhile, this great God, the King of the world, waits for us to come, to come into His presence, to humble ourselves, to communicate with Him, to dialogue with Him on the deepest level. So how is your prayer life? So if it's not what it ought to be, let me give you three suggestions. Number one, repent of your prayerlessness. Just simply begin by going to God and saying, God, let me, let me repent. I have not prayed. I have not used this wonderful relationship with you as I should. And I'm going to repent of it. And to repent of it means more than just being sorry, but you change the course of your action. Then secondly, Recognize how God has been at work and how much more he wants to do if we ask him. Oh, you see, God is still at work around us. He's doing wonderful and marvelous things. Think about how much more he could do in your life if you would just simply spend time with him in prayer. And then number three is respond to every prompt to pray. That means every time the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray, then pray. I think that's the essence of what the Apostle Paul says, that we should pray without ceasing. So here's the challenge for today. In the next two weeks, we'll look at it specifically, but this is ongoing all the way through your life until God calls you home. And that is, you need to make prayer a top-tier priority in your spiritual life. Bottom line. That's what we're talking about today. Make prayer a top-tier priority in your life. Father, we thank you that you're this wonderful, great God, calls us into relationship with you, and you give us this wonderful, wonderful privilege of coming into your presence and simply dialoguing with you, talking with you, listening to you, and being blessed in our spiritual life. So I pray that, that we, your people, will be moved to pray as we've never prayed before, That we will make prayer a vital part of our life. That it will be a top-tier priority. And that you will hear from us more often as we come to you. And we pray. And we pray. And we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.